0: This episode of ArcaSpeak is sponsored by, you guessed it, Arcat. You may know about Charette, Arcat's free tool to organize and collaborate your architecture projects, but
1: did you know that Charette can promote your projects too? In Charette, you can create your firm's portfolio, upload the photos you want, and control the project information you wish to share.
2: Create links back to your firm's website and share contact details so clients can reach out to you. Check out Charette at Arcat. That's arcat.com slash projects.
0: Welcome to ArcaSpeak, the podcast that talks about what it's like to work in the profession of architecture.
1: Welcome to episode 156 of the ArcaSpeak Podcast. I'm Neil Pan. I'm Evan Troxell. And
2: I'm Cormac Phelan. So, uh, Evan, you know, they always say what uh, happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, but since you just got back from Vegas, tell us what you were doing hey, there. I really, Yeah, I really can't say. Oh, no, like... you can. Oh, <laughs>
1: yes, you you must. What did you do in Vegas this past oh, man. week? So, I just, yeah, we're
0: recording a little bit late here because of my, uh, my week in Vegas, and it was a long week, I have to say. Man, I'm super tired, so... We, we just got back from the last AU, the Autodesk University. So this was my fourth one that I've gone to, and I still think it's one of the better places to go to learn how to do whatever you want to know how to make be better at what you do with in regards to technology. So if you're, it, what's interesting about this show is that it, it brings lots of disciplines together in kind of a cross pollination effort. So you've got architecture, engineering, uh, you've got all the different industrial design, mechanical design, um, there, there's just so many different aspects because they all touch uh, Autodesk software. And so this is like Autodesk one location to bring all those people together and really start to talk about the convergence of, of these different things where, you know, we're doing lots of interesting machine learning, AI based stuff in architecture. Well, guess, guess what? These other disciplines are too. And so it's kind of a place to share that kind of information and show off what people are doing with things. So if you're in manufacturing and you're working for Boeing and and you're talking about 3d printing your next airliner, you know, you're also going to be talking to people who are thinking about 3d printing buildings. Um, so lots of real high level technical stuff, but then also lots of real nitty gritty stuff that happens in classes Um, And then the networking opportunities. So it's kind of Autodesk's opportunity to uh, try to sell you the entire time in their keynote addresses. It really does kind of unfortunately come across as a big sales pitch, I think. But it's also inspiring on some level because they bring in lots of other speakers who have talked about huge advances that they've made in pretty short amount of time uh, technology-wise in their companies. And they really take the opportunity to show those off on the main stage. Mm Mm-hmm. In between sales pitches. And then you all go into the expo floor and you get to see this stuff in action and you're networking with people, meeting people, learning things that you could be doing better in your company and hopefully taking that back and, and showing it to everybody else there and and moving things forward. But then there's also the class component, which is more of the nitty-gritty stuff from beginner to very advanced Different things in, in in all of those different disciplines, uh, including game design, filmmaking. You know, like I said, anything that kind of Autodesk software touches. And it's not strictly limited to Autodesk software. There's definitely people in there using other things as well. But it's mostly regarding. It, it just kind of loosely flows around those those bigger ideas of you know. So if you wanted to learn Dynamo, this is a great place to go. Do a lab class or or sit in and see how Burrow Happold is launching a scripting library across their company and getting people to adopt scripts or I did classes on basically how to how to capture knowledge and how to disseminate it to your your multi-office or even global team right so it's a great place for me to go when I'm starting to develop a training program and and actually take notes from you know somebody like Perkins and Will for instance who's launch this micro-knowledge system, and, and they kind of just show off exactly how they do it and, and why they do it that way and, and what's worked for them, what they plan on doing better in the future. So uh, it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it, by the end, you're just, you can't take anymore, more, right? You kind of have to figure out how to wrap your head around all this stuff and disseminate the key information back to your team at when you get back to the office, because it's like a nonstop onslaught of information. It's just all on all the time. Every day, you know, you get up at 5.30, 6 o'clock, go to breakfast, go to classes, do the keynotes, do the expo floor, you're done at 7.30 at night. So it's like three 12- to 14-hour days in a row. It is a lot of work. I mean, people think, oh, yeah, it's in Vegas, you're out messing around. Like mm. It's seriously, like, it's a, it's a mental and physical workout in the, in the regard of, like, just walking. You walk so much because it's all in the Sands Expo and you're at a hotel and you're kind of going back and forth and between all these classes and, and stuff like that. And they really keep you there the whole time because they serve all the food. It's all inclusive the whole time. It's like being on a freaking cruise ship. <laughs> it's like, it's it's just really intense. And and so the last day, my, my friend drove in and we went rock climbing up in Red Rocks because it was just had to get out of Vegas. And Red Rocks, if you guys don't know, it's like 30 minutes up off the Strip. And you cannot see the strip from Red Rocks, and it's a it's a beautiful, like, canyon preserve, um, and it, it looks like, you know, the southwest desert that you kind of think of when you see Zion National Park or something like that. And it's just gorgeous, and we went and did a big multi-pitch climb up there yesterday and didn't think about architecture, we didn't think about technology, we didn't think about anything like that for, for the whole day, and then we just drove home late last night. So I'm kind of burnt out, but at the same time, like, it was a great ending to a, a pretty good week, so...
2: Were you able to see those um, cranes in the distance building?
1: That No, shut up. <laughs> Just shut up. <laughs> Wait, what? We, we what? had a nice little positive show going really? on. You don't even know what he was going to ask. He was oh, I know about exactly some,
2: what he's going to talk about. I was casino. wondering how... Shut your hole. Just, I was wondering let's move how on. the... The development of move on, please. Downtown is in preparation uh-huh. for the coming oh, AIA convention. Up. What would be happening yeah, there? Uh-huh. And you know, by the way, there might be some what football going on. A bunch of bull- <laughs> <like this>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nope, I didn't see it, but I have seen it before, and it is happening. So, yeah. D- don't worry, Neil. It's it's not just some news story on the internet. It's a real thing. It's actually happening. It's not fake news. No, it's not. not fake news. I, yeah, I refuse to acknowledge its existence. (laughs) Well, you can only do that for so much longer. (laughs) I was (laughs) going to say, exactly. True (laughs) enough. So I shot a lot of video at the show. I I plan on putting together a YouTube video, like a synopsis of my experience. It won't be fully, like, it's hopefully going to be a little more entertaining than informational because, you know, you can watch these AU classes online. I guess I should point that out, that if you go to... Autodesk University on the web. They just announced during the show that they launched a whole new website for this. Um, they were very excited about it. I don't know if anybody else was, but it was... Yeah, it if sounds, you can't get excited about what you're doing, then why Hopefully, bother? hopefully it's a little bit better than the existing one, because it is kind of hard to find stuff. But what's nice about these these talks is almost every one of them is recorded, and it, that may not mean video, but it, it does usually mean audio and whatever slideshow they had up on the screen and so video in that sense but not like live video of the speaker and they have the handouts that you can download as well and all of that is free so if you didn't get to go to the show you can still benefit from the classes and from the live streams that they have recorded and you can kind of see what they're up to with all this stuff so Definitely, they're making the information available. You have no excuse not to not to learn something on there. There's a lot of really, really great stuff.
2: Well, so let me ask you this, in in all seriousness, without you know getting Neil's dander up. Um,
1: <laughs> My what?
2: Anyway, fluffy. Um, so you know, this is a pretty large conference, and the coming AIA conference is in. Uh, going to be in Vegas as well. I mean, do you think that, um, this helps kind of set the stage for the excitement of, of architects being out there? Cause I know that there's a lot of architects that attended AU cause we had a handful of them from our office. Mm-hmm. Um, because to be quite honest with you, when I was, when they announced, um, that it was going to be in Vegas next year, I was just like, Oh, well, there's something I could probably skip. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm, I'm curious if, if you feel, you know, differently going to, going to Vegas and AU, um, for this, that,
0: you know, the AIA convention might actually be a success just curious. Well, it's definitely a place that can support something like this and I think they can support it in a much better way than even New York City could because you know you guys remember how it was really broken up, right? We had Javits Center, we had the Radio City Music Hall, they had New School, they had people kind of trying to get through. It. And I think that's probably the biggest criticism was that people couldn't get from one place to another fast enough for the packed schedule because re- people really do try to take advantage of these conferences to pack stuff in and make it like a really condensed learning experience mm-hmm. and and I don't think that that'll be such an issue in Vegas because it's built for that. Um, the hardest part about Vegas is that you you don't ever have to go outside, right? And I think if you're putting together an architecture conference, I'm assuming there will be some pretty amazing opportunities for tours. Um, lots of, hopefully, behind-the-scenes kind of stuff or, you know, Hoover Dam. Mm-hmm. Go, like lot, There is a lot of neat stuff there. So, like the stadium, there's lots of construction going on. So, there's probably lots of opportunities to see stuff being built and… So I think that it's probably, although not as interesting as a place like New York City, it's a very different backdrop, and I mm-hmm. I don't I can't see why it wouldn't be successful there because you know people love and hate Vegas I get that but at the same time like that's not why we go to these conferences you go to connect with people that you never get to see except for once a year and um right you know our audience is there it's a great place for us as a podcast I, I'm not trying to sell it for everybody but. It it's definitely going to be polarizing in that regard. Like you said, Cormac, you're like, Oh, I, I don't know if I need to do that. Um, but I also kind of think that it, it will support this kind of event really well. It'll make things pretty easy. It is a walkable city. I mean, it's not like Orlando in that regard. So mm-hmm. I think that, you know, while it, while city is in quotes, right. It's kind of loosely, there's, there's a lot of neat history in Vegas too. So, Maybe sure. they're going to do stuff in the old town, back in the old strip, you know, over the Fremont right. street. And uh, there's lots of stuff off strip too. Definitely. So we'll see what happens. I, I, It'll be interesting to see how it kind of pans out over the next year to, or, you know, nine months to see what happens. Six months, maybe it's only six, six months out. Like so five, two.
1: six months. It's crazy. Now, yeah. Yeah. It's wow. really fast. Hey, before we leave the Autodesk university, I just, I uh, just want to, what, for, for a long time, when we think of Autodesk as in our in our world it was always just Autocad it was autocad yeah. Autocad yeah. and what blows me away by looking at their university site it's and I think you mentioned it earlier, Evan construction, product design and manufacturing building design and engineering infrastructure, media and entertainment right I mean Autodesk is just a giant monster of yeah. way beyond autocad and what this really reminds, I mean, when I think of other softwares out there, nobody, to my mind, is doing, at least in our industry, is is like this. It has their fingers in so many aspects of of all of those subjects that I just mentioned. Um, they usually focus on, okay, we, we do one thing, or maybe we do BIM and ARC. I mean, they're just, it's so much more limited in scope. And really the only thing that, that to my mind, technology wise, company and technology wise, that comes close to this is Adobe. Because Adobe has I don't they what do they call it? Uh the Max conference yeah, or something right. that is similar to this in in that it brings together all these different industries into one event surrounding their software suite, if you will. And it's just interesting to take a step back and think you know 10 or 20 years ago how different this all was and how right. now we've got these two industry giants that basically dominate this every everything that we do and interact with and and watch media and entertainment as well it's just i just it really just kind of blows my mind a little bit yeah
0: and i think that's probably what makes this event so interesting because i think a lot of people write it off because autodesk is the one who do it. And I'm not, Mm -hmm. and I'm not an outer desk disciple by any means, but the, the weight that they have and the draw that they have, because there are a lot of people who are total disciples of this kind of stuff. And it Mm -hmm. is kind of religious at some level for a lot of people, oddly (laughs) enough, but it's, it really makes for a great framework to have really high tech future forward thinking conversations and, and to share knowledge of how it's actually being implemented in places. So you you can go in there knowing nothing and come out of there mm-hmm. with quite a bit of information that has been shared like kind of at a peer-to-peer level. I mean, the the speakers are all very open to sharing information and even mm-hmm. at a very personal level, not even just in a one to a class kind of a level. but. Coming up to them, talking to them afterwards, getting their email address, talking to them more, taking the conversation further. People are very open Mm -hmm. to that kind of thing because they realize that we are actually all in this together. And I think this is something that the AIA could learn from, you know, and architecture in general could learn from this is that a sharing economy is beneficial to the future of the thing. So. Hmm. This is one of those places where that actually happens. And it's bigger than architecture, for sure. I mean, I don't even know what the numbers, like percentage of disciplines that show up are. I'm sure architecture is a big one. There's a lot of Revit classes. There are still, believe it or not, a lot of Autodesk classes with very long lines to get in. Um, but but for the most part, the show floor is mostly BIM, Revit kind of stuff, um, I would mm-hmm. say. And and there's a lot of media and entertainment. There's a lot of real time rendering, a lot of VR, um, neat stuff like that. Unreal, you know, game engines and Unity and Autodesk even announced a partnership with Unity, which is a uh, game engine builder um, for real time environment stuff. So lots and lots of neat synergies. I, I, you know, I really don't like that word because it, it just sounds, it's just. Highfalutin. But it's one of those things where they, they do make certain things happen, and I don't know that they make them happen really well the first year, but it is has in, been interesting to watch kind of the development, like you said. I've been there for the last four years, and to watch kind of where they're steering the boat with BIM 360 and getting everything in one place. I mean, they really are trying to create an environment where pieces don't get lost, but also creating lock-in for the users, right? yeah. I mean, yeah. this is how they yeah. make their money, so… Yeah, uh, it it it's weird, but also cool in that regard, because they are making some really neat tools, but you have to be all in on those tools. And I think that's mm. probably the hardest pill for a lot of people to swallow. They still want choice. Right. Anyway, there there's a lot there. Definitely go check out the website. We'll throw it in the show notes and you can check it out. I haven't looked at the new one yet, but we'll put it in there and just see what you think, because there's a lot. Like, it doesn't have to be software. It could be process. It could be training. Like I said, it could be all kinds of different topics in there that you might be interested in. You could take a lunchtime and, and learn something new every day. A lot of neat stuff there. Cool. And showing off, like, really cool projects, like the new George Lucas Museum, the Lucas Museum of Narrative Art that's being built down here in L.A. Um, like, Saha Hadid's office was presenting a class. I mean, there's there's a lot of neat, like, High-end, high-design kind of stuff going on there too. People sharing behind the scenes what it's like to work in a paperless environment and where things are headed that, in that way too. Anyway, I think I think that's probably enough to share for now. Like I said, I'll put together a, a a video and and hopefully that can tell a little bit more of the story. But honestly, it is a good conference. It is expensive, but it is worth it. So, they had eleven thousand people well, it there. Is sort of what wow. you do, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. Your, so totally. Yeah. And, and there are other conferences out there, right? So this isn't the only one, but this one is is just big and it's bold and it's fun. It, they, they do make a good, they do put together a very good event. I actually went zip lining during this event. So just to give you an idea of the, there's like one oh. night where there's a block party and they rent this whole block called the Link and where the big uh, Ferris wheel is, you know, it's not really a Ferris wheel, but it's called the, The high roller, you know, it's very Vegas, but it's Mm -hmm. like, it's like the eye in London where it's this giant Ferris wheel with encapsulated pods and go around, but they also have zip lines that go down over this whole kind of main street. So
1: I think you're giving lots of good tips to the organizers of the AIA conference on architecture for next year.
0: (laughs) They do a really good, like I said, it's kind of like a cruise ship.
2: (laughs) You know what? I mean, that's what brings people back. Yes, yeah, you know that does. you know, not just business, but
0: make it fun. Yeah, totally. All right, so you guys wanna wanna get to our next topic? Yeah. Sure, what do we Introduce got? Introduce it. Well, let's tee it up here. Uh so we got a letter from the email section of our website, the feedback section, and somebody who prefers to remain anonymous wanted to ask our question of us. And really I think what it boils down to is what do you do if you've been working in the industry architecture for, you know, let's just say 20 years and you don't feel like things are really happening for you? And and to make it kind of worse, you see things, you know, this is quotes, you see things happening to other people in a very good way where people are kind of finding their own. They're getting bigger opportunities, um, but you kind of feel like you're being passed by. So the question really is like, what, what do you do? Um, is this something that, that I should aspire to do, or should I be content making a difference in the way that I make a difference and just being more of a supporting role and not necessarily being one that stands out? Zach, I guy, you guys think that sums it up pretty well?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think so.
0: Yeah. All right. It's interesting because sometimes I feel that way. <laughs> Well, I've, I think uh, that's kind of... We're all going to have some variation of this experience, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, tell tell us what you're thinking, Cormac. What, well, do, you, what do you mean by that? It, well, I mean, you know, on
2: numerous occasions, uh, I, I don't know if I'd jokingly say or, or whatever, that um, I, I find more contentment not being the king, but the kingmaker. And it's... You know, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of. I look at it this way. There's a lot of success to go around in the profession and the projects, and there are people um, who they relish. Sometimes need, I mean, in in a, in a lot of cases, I would probably say definitely need to have that recognition of success. And and I, and this is kind of kind of running along the tangent of of this this letter. But in a way, kind of there that, you know, he, like for me personally, let me just put it into a, a more personal um, response here is I got into architecture thinking that I was going to, you know, be one of these guys that are leading the charge, making a difference and all that other stuff. And a lot of times I play a role that's more on the support side of things. So I'm not always front um, when people are getting the pats on the backs or the promotions or, you know, the accolades and stuff like that. And there are times that it's bugged me. It's there's times that I'm just like, wait, you know, he wouldn't be standing up there if it wasn't for me basically doing everything that's put him in the position to get re- recognized. And I was like, you know, it, to me, I, I was like, well, that's, that's kind of a petty attitude, to be quite honest with you. it, it, it uh, I think that I am contributing. And do I really actually need the pat on the back? Do I really need, you know, somebody to say, attaboy, Cormac, that was a great job you did there. And it got to the point, I was like, no, I really don't, because I think that the success of the project overall and the continual, you know, people coming back and, you know, doing, um, saying, you know, look, we did, it, had a great, re- uh, working relationship with the overall team. We want to work with them again. And to me, I look at that f- again, it's purely a personal thing as a, um, as a success and, you know, something that's positive in my you know, in, in my, uh, professional development. So I, I got to a point where I was like, I, I don't actually need the pat on the back. I don't need to be the person standing in the front. Um, I don't need to to be the face of something, you know, big fat air quotes of the podcast there. But um,
0: you're the face I, of this podcast, Cormac.
2: <laughs> no, no, I'm not. At a boy. Um, but, you know, it, it's, it's, and, and I know I'm kind of like, you know, diverging a little bit from, from this, but, you know, But 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 I think it's where I'm going with it is that I I've I've felt this way a lot you know or not a lot but I I've felt this way on on occasion where I think um, it kind of sometimes it gets a little you know demoralizing it's just like oh damn it I'm I'm you know busting my ass doing all of this stuff but I'm not getting the recognition that I think I deserve and if. It, it, what's interesting is I just went through this leadership course. And, um, one of the things was, uh, this term that came from, uh, David Rock, who's, uh, this leader in leadership, uh, training and it's called SCARF. And SCARF is an acronym for, you know, basically how you work and collaborate with other people and stuff. And, and let me quickly try to, um, do a real quick kind of a brain dump of what this is. It's so SCARF is an acronym. It means status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. And so status is one big, huge thing that, you know, I, I think this letter is sort of talking about is that, you know, we're all looking for some kind of like self gratification or a you know some some kind of like status that you're being recognized for the good good works that you're doing. And so that's something that's very important, you know, when you're when you're in kind of like the professional, you know, world and and when you feel like you aren't getting that status, you, you know, it, it starts to kind of you know, weigh heavy on you and I I think um the letter writer is is sort of feeling that way that he's not really feeling very valid, you know, valued, or that he's not, con- you know, being able to contribute that he's, you know, miss the opportunity to be a part, a bigger part of the role and stuff. And, and I think that, um, it might actually necessarily not be something that should be falling on his shoulders that I think this was a missed opportunity from, you know, his leadership of saying, okay, you know, I talk about this a lot in, you know, in our office about when we go into a project, we sit down with the entire project team and we talk about, um, you know, we always talk about like an after action review after a project. But when we go into a project, we always sit down and we say, okay what do you want to get out of this project? What whether it's, you know, um, hey, I've never worked um, on design, so I'd really like to do some design work. Or, you know, I've I, I've I've done a lot of design work, and I love doing design work. But I also haven't really detailed anything out in a project, and I'd really like to learn more about detailing things. Or, um, I've never done scheduling. You know, there's just a variety of different things. I'm just throwing out some generic topics. But, um, and so what I was reading when I when I read it is that there was a that that the leadership of the firm that this person's working for isn't really sitting down to try to do like a self you know self um or not a self a, a a team kind of like let's figure out what um you know what everybody wants to do with this you know with a project or your perf- you know or your career or something like that and so he may be looking at himself as like, ah, well, I've missed all these opportunities and stuff. And it doesn't always necessarily fall on your shoulders. And so I I think that, you know, going back to that weird little scarf, um, model that I was, you know, talking about, he's, you know, feeling a little undervalued and under, underappreciated and, you know, but he's putting it on himself. And I guess where I'm coming from is I don't necessarily think that's necessarily on him. And so, when I was doing a little bit of self-reflecting on, you know, the, the, you know, being the king maker, um, rather than the king was, I, I got to a point where I was feeling a little undervalued and under, underappreciated, you know, earlier in my career. But then I kind of got to the point where I was like, you know, but that's actually okay. Because that's, to me, that's not really the point of where I want to now see my role. I actually find more, satisfaction and more reward in my role as a project manager, as a mentor, as somebody who can help develop the profession and each, you know, help develop a bunch of people in this profession to be successful in the profession. Because to be quite honest with you, I'm okay with not having the attaboys and the pats on the backs. I'm actually okay with our profession being, I'm going to throw out the big air quotes again, awesome. And so if I can be a part of that, that's when I'm like, yeah. <laughs> does so that make like- yeah, does that even like remotely make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Makes a lot of sense. What do you think, Neil? Well, I think that this is something we'll all go through from a life perspective. So I'm going to take a, a slightly larger look at this. Uh, when we start our careers, um, things tend to happen rather quickly, right? We spend the first four or five years getting, you know, it seems like every other year we're getting a promotion, we're moving up the list and uh, we're getting to that job captain level. Then we're getting to that project manager level and maybe 10 years in, we've seen this rapid climb when you look at your career, a a, a relatively rapid climb from graduating college and moving into your career and kind of getting settled and trying to just figure out what you're doing, right? You may do some modeling. You may do some construction drawings. You're going to do some CA work. You're going to do lots of different things and you're just trying to figure, figure it out. But it's, it's a lot to happen in a relatively short period of time and then you go through this middle part of your career, where okay, you maybe've gotten good at something and you enjoy it, and you've spent boom the next ten years goes by, right? And you're feeling good about it, and so now you're twenty years in as our uh, letter writer what or is now, and then and now you're at this point where wait a minute. I I just kind of feel like I've been coasting for 10 years doing stuff. You don't have that sense of all this rapid change. I've hit this project manager level or whatever sort of level. And you've just kind of been doing that for a while. And now it's like, well, what's next? What, why am I not advancing? Why am I not doing the, you know, something else? Why am I not the partner in the firm? So to speak sometimes. And I think that in life, you, you, you have this, what has been called in the past, you know, the midlife crisis. And I think that's kind of the mid-career crisis here that uh, that this person is experiencing. And we all experience this, maybe at different points, but all usually around this time. And you have to get to a point in your life and in your career where what what is it that you enjoy doing? And then just keep doing that. That's what your career is. But you can, so you just, you just keep doing that. You can also decide at some point in time, like I've done in the more recent past where it's like, okay, well I'm still doing what I do at work, but I'm also doing other things. I've been on the planning commission here locally. I've recently run for city council and, and, you start expanding your horizons a little bit. So you, you keep pushing, you keep doing things, but that's, that's life. And I see that you have to get comfortable with what you want to do. And at some point in time, you can look it back at your career and say, okay, what have I done? Am I going to keep doing that to pay the bills? And what else do I want to do? You know, you've got, in my case, I've got a family, I've got kids, and you're involved in that and I'm doing these other things. And so, but you have to get comfortable with what you're doing in your life. And it may be, you're at a point in your career where you have to make a decision as Cormac has done in this case, like, well, oh, wait a minute. No, I I'm comfortable with what I'm doing. I I'm happy with where I am in my career and I'm going to keep doing that. I'm good at it. And I enjoy that. And if that's the decision, then you keep moving forward with that uh if you're not happy with where you're at in in what you're doing in your say your job or your, your in, in the career in general, then you have to take a look at yourself and decide what do I want to change or am I really just actually good at what i'm doing and i'm going to keep doing that i'm going to strive to get better i'm going to go to autodesk university as we were talking about earlier i'm going to learn more i may be maybe I have an interest in in modeling or doing some other parts of architecture. And I'm going to go off and do that for a while instead and maybe take my career in a different, different path for a while. So I, that's kind of how I look at this and it's really, there's no, there's nothing wrong with feeling this way. I think we all feel this way at some points in our life. If you're 20-something, you're not going to feel this way. <laughs> if you're 40-something or 50-something, I think you will. And you have to get to a point where you you, you need to move forward in some way.
2: Well, let me ask this, um, for curiosity's sake, and, and sorry sure. to jump in front of you there, Evan. <laughs> um, when because I I know you got something good too but let me just ask this question because you know it it may be that he's asking the question so all right I'm 20 years in my career you know I feel like I've hit kind of this this wall but I see all these kids coming in and they're you know they've, they've got this grasp on this um and this is Purely hypothetical question, but it it, it is a reality because I, I do see sure. it in in people even in my office that right. are are seeing kids come in and they're these go getters and they really they're they're making um, their career happen, which to me is you know both kind of rewarding to see people like really taking an active role in shaping the career that they want and mm-hmm. not just to kind of accepting the career that they have. Um, but you know, sometimes it's, you know, if you're like a, a mid-level guy and you're just kind of sitting around, you know, watching this happen, you know, it kind of can get a little demoralizing and you just like, you know, sure, why is this happening for them? And it's not happening for me. And so you, I mean, for me, the question is, what do you think is missing in your career or what is the roadblock for you that, um, you aren't doing the same thing that they're doing because well
1: i i would say that well let me let me put it this way what i see in my office right now and is that a lot of the the younger staff two or three years out of college i mean clearly they have an advantage over me in that that i felt i had when i started over the over the architects I was working with at the time I came in with this uh, sort of computer knowledge if you will and felt very comfortable with that that I don't think the architects that I was working with at the time did they were still drafting by hand designing by hand and I had this this other knowledge right and and it seems kind of silly compared to to today but I see the same thing happening today they're doing modeling they're doing things that now I'm in the position of the old guy and it's like, wait a minute, I, I can't do that. So the decision I, I have made, I'll just make this personal here um, and you, everybody can take with it however they want here. But I've made the decision that, okay, I, I if I wanted to do that, could I do that? Absolutely, I could. I could go spend the time and do that. But as I look at the value that I bring to the firm, is the value that I bring to the firm going to be best compensated for me by being the best modeler or the best CAD person, BIM person in the office. Okay. Um, that's only going to pay so much and that's only going to limit my career. That, that is a limiting factor in my career. Um, and if, and, but firms need those types of people, right? Because we got to get the work done. So, if you feel that that's what you're good at and that's what you want to do and you want to be the best person that does that, there that is a needed thing and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, it, that is not what I've chosen to do in my career. I see different things for me. I've given up that. And I've I've had to come to a realization that I'm not that guy. I'm not that person anymore. Uh, I'm not the hotshot cad person that knows all the computer stuff um I still I still know more than most but I don't know what these kids coming out of school know and I'm okay with that I'm I've been okay I've accepted moving on and I'm like okay well now how do I push my career so that I can get compensated at a higher level and take on more responsibility and sometimes I've had to do things that I'm uncomfortable with I haven't done full uh service CA work before in my career until the last year and a half two years and that's uncomfortable but it's a learning experience and but that is something that I've seen is okay well that's where my talents as an architect can be I basically I mean I get made, paid more than the person that is doing some of the the more you know uh work in right. the office and 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 so I've made a choice. I, I'm moving in this direction, and and I'm giving up something that I used to do, and that that's the way I'm. I would answer your question.
2: Sorry, I didn't mean to cut it. I mean, I, know, I, I, I yeah, I, I think that there's some some value to kind of like the perceptions of what you see as other people's successes, and um, and you're like, wow, you know, they're doing great. They're they're, you know movers and shakers and all that other stuff, you know, what am I missing? And you might, you know, what you're, what you're probably missing is just the self examination that you actually are contributing more than you think. Um, and that you have a value that is probably very strong within like, say your own organization, you know, or in the professional in general, but you're just not recognizing it because you're seeing the, I guess the, um, the success of others. And you're just like, I want that. You know, it's just like, no, but what do you actually have? What do you bring? Because you actually are probably bringing a lot more and doing a lot more than you're giving yourself credit for. You're actually contributing a lot greater aspect to the, um, the profession in, in a, in a whole, um, just by doing good. I mean, to me, it goes like, I'm going to make it personal again, but to me, I, Am, I, I feel like I am bringing a lot to not just my firm, but my profession by doing good work and passing that work ethic, my experience, my, um, you know, the education that I've had, passing that on to somebody else so that they can take it and they can run. And if they do more than I did with it, well, hell, that's exactly what I want. I want other people to succeed and get better because it's only going to make the profession better. So to kind of bring it back to, you know, our letter writer, it's, it's so you may feel like you've kind of hit a, you know, the, the proverbial mid career wall, but it's because you're not, I I don't think you're doing yourself justice by looking at what you're actually, you know, bringing to the table.
0: It just, you know, I guess <laughs> it's hard to know. Yeah. There's not a yeah. lot of context here, but right. Right. I, I could start off with a little story. I, I feel like coming through architecture in the design, the category that I specialize in is design. And I think that what was really interesting and experience I had was when somebody who's very high up said to me, you know, Oh, you just get to do the fun stuff. You know, you've got it easy. Uh, you get to do what everybody wants to do. And this kind of goes yeah, back to yeah. Cormac's uh comment about the the king makers, right? Like there's it, it alludes to a hierarchy uh that that gets narrower and, and narrower as you get closer to the top. And we all go to school for the most part, I'm generalizing, to become designers and we all know that there are very few designers in the firms that we work for, right? So it's a natural kind of hierarchy that just gets created because there isn't room for everybody to do everything right and and so when when i heard that this person say that basically putting me down putting putting me down by saying that well you well i don't know if they're really putting me down but they're saying you only get to do the fun stuff you've got you're so lucky um you know i have to do the hard work over here and And I think I've talked about this on the show before, but I feel like design is a struggle. It's, at some levels, it's suffering, right? But I don't mean to say that like, woe is me. I mean to say that like, this is the suffering that I'm comfortable with. And I think that's what you have to pick in your career is the suffering that you're comfortable (laughs) with. Because, and that is not just architecture. That's everything, okay? And, I think what we tend to do when we analyze this kind of stuff, and sometimes we overanalyze it, right? uh, Is that we don't really know what the other person's suffering is. And we tend not to think of it that way because you probably would hate it if you got there anyway. Um, I think we all know that the, the responsibilities placed on the Kings again, to go back to your earlier analogy (laughs) is very high. And the, It gets difficult to continue to do what you actually want to do when you're in those positions. So if you really want to be an architect, you probably don't want to be in one of those positions because you will never work on a project again. Right. Right? So you have to start thinking about it on those terms. So what are you comfortable suffering through on a daily basis? And suffering for me on design or on digital practice or whatever it is— it's what I feel like I'm meant to do. And so I'm okay with it. And I think that is something that you should think about when it comes to this stuff. Um, I think also you are in charge of you and you're not in charge of anybody else. So one of the things that was in your, was it scarf? Yeah. Acronym Mm -hmm. was autonomy, right? Yes, Uh, Autonomy is a huge thing for that. People need to feel on a certain Mm -hmm. level. And, um, If you can't do that in the office, you can do it somewhere else. And I don't mean like go find another job. I mean do something like Neil was saying, in addition to what you're doing at work. We did that with this podcast. Right. Mm -hmm. And and I can tell you that I was feeling similarly to the letter writer in this way when I when we started this podcast, and I've done a bunch of other things too. I wrote a book, I have a website that teaches people how to use 3D software. I got my license. Like, I invested in me. I invested in me. Nobody else invested in me that I was working for. Right, right, right. And because of that investment in me has created untold numbers of opportunity. And it's interesting how things change when that happens, right? Um, And so I would recommend that you take a good look at trying to do something outside of your comfort zone that you might be okay suffering through because I don't want to make it sound glamorous. Making a podcast every two weeks for six years is not easy, right? Making videos for YouTube is not easy. Writing a book is not easy. Getting your license is not easy. These are all things that are incredibly difficult and we suffer through making those things happen. But when they do come to fruition in the very end, there is some serious reward that comes with that yeah and yeah. it may not come from somebody else and if you really need that you need to find who that person could be for you to to do that for you um and just tell them like be straight up and honest hey guys i need this i i need to know like if am i am i doing okay here like what can i do better you can ask for feedback and hopefully you get the kind of feedback you're looking for if you've been putting in the work to achieve it um but just I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of rambling here, but I, I really want to yeah. talk about creating opportunity because I think that's a big deal. Uh, you cannot control how other people, what they're going to do for you. And I've said this in my book, like no one else is going to take those exams for you, right? You've got to make the decision to do that. And I know that's not what this question is about, but that's just an analogy to this. You, you are not going to wait around for somebody to do something for you because guess what? The person they care about is them when it all comes down to it. And so if you can start to create opportunities for yourself outside of the traditional structured venue that you're used to participating in, then maybe other things will start to happen. It'll put things in motion that you have no idea that are even going on out there. And it's pretty amazing how that can work out in the end. So I encourage, I really encourage you to take a look at Actually, a book. I would go back to a book. It's called "Designing Your Life," and it's written by two Harvard or Stanford professors. Sorry, and they um, they have a fantastic book, and it really takes you through an exact process to make some pretty serious decisions with your life. And um, you obviously have to decide to go through with that. But what's interesting is they say that if you have a Plan B, then Plan A will most likely never happen. So you've got to get to the point where if you're super serious about doing something you've got to get rid you've got to burn plan b so that it won't Mm -hmm. distract you from achieving plan a and i think that happens to a lot of us we kind of got multiple irons in the fire and you're never kind of quite sure which one's going to get hot enough and and you're always kind of keeping your options open and um i think that's okay for a while but at some point you kind of really have to decide what plan a is going to be and then burn the bridges for the other one so that you can actually make that happen um, and go all in on that one. Well
2: said. Let me let me throw out just a book. I'm not going to go on a long spiel about or anything else, but this is something that my um my boss, it's one of her uh, favorite authors, but it's also um something that that's kind of interesting is she suggests a book that um she reads and rereads. And it's called Drive. It's the surprising truth about what motivates us. Love by, that book.
0: I think we talked about it on one of our, our older episodes.
2: Yeah, by Daniel Pink. So mm-hmm. and let me just throw this out there that it's it's a very interesting book. I've actually just started reading it myself. And uh, <laughs> it, it it kind of starts putting you into a self you know, like realization of like where you are and, and who you are and all this other stuff. So it's, it's interesting. I'm not going to go into any detail or anything like that, but I really just wanted to kind of throw that book out there. Cause I think that, um, our, uh, our letter writer
0: would really appreciate like reading that book. Yeah. That one really goes into intrinsic motivation and the yeah. autonomy concept that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Good yeah. stuff. I added it to the show notes, so. Definitely
1: check that out. Excellent. It'll be in there. All right. Well, hey, let's wrap this episode up by reminding everybody that it has been brought to you by RCAT. The music is by System Kid. You can subscribe to ArcaSpeak on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or listen directly from our site at com. You can follow the show on social media via Twitter and Facebook, and links to all of those can be found on the site. Thanks again for listening, everyone, and keep those letters coming, and stay subscribed. We'll see you next time. Yeah, seriously,
0: thank you to our audience for writing in such great questions. We really love it, and we love interacting with you guys in this way. So keep it up. Yep, keep them coming. Thanks. Thank you. went over.